Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. Governor Roy Cooper's signature brought North Carolina one step closer to expanding Medicaid this week and assuming Republican lawmakers pass a budget free of objectionable poison pills that could force a Cooper veto, the budget needs to pass for the expansion to take effect, a half million low-income North Carolinians will soon have access to health insurance and affordable health care. As I learned in a conversation with one of the General Assembly's best-informed lawmakers, New Hanover County Representative Deb Butler, there's at least some reason for hope that we could see such a result over the coming months. As Butler also noted, however, the General Assembly continues to advance some deeply troubling proposals, including a bill that would bring 24-7 digital gambling to our state that's likely to produce a lot of destruction in its wake. Well, Representative Deb Butler, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Pleasure to be here. On the day that we're recording this, the governor is signing the Medicaid expansion bill, North Carolina to become the 40th state to expand Medicaid. And ironically, the vote came on the 13th anniversary of President Obama signing the Affordable Care Act. So we had quite a long wait. But is it done? Is it a completely done deal? You know, I'm cautiously optimistic, Rob. It's taken us 10 years, the better part of 10 years, to really get here. And I'm hopeful that all the kinks are worked out. I I have to say that I fear some enabling legislation in the budget that might be objectionable. And who knows? You know, we've all wanted this expansion for so long, particularly Democrats, of course, that I really hope I don't have to swallow too many poison pills to get it. I hope that's not the case. I know I've been asked a lot by a lot of folks. What do you think did it? What do you think finally convinced? Was it just the money? Was it just that it became so obvious that this was so beneficial to the state and its budget that they just couldn't say no any longer? Or do you think there was something else at work? I think they realized that that half money was going to go away if we didn't do it in a timely manner. And I also think, you know, if you look around, it is the hospitals that are in those rural districts that are in the most jeopardy. So I don't understand why they didn't do it sooner. You know, these metropolitan hospitals that most of us Democrats represent are probably okay, but these rural hospitals are really vulnerable. And I hope it's a combination of of that. It's mostly the money, though, let's be candid. Well, I've also been saying that maybe this at least shows that over time, sometimes truth and justice can prevail, and maybe there's some other issues. Let's all hang on to that, Rob. Let's all hang on to that. So we hear the budget's moving quickly this year. It could be past the House even in the next few weeks. And that's, I guess, good news if really, if it really does happen and it's not full of poison pills and Medicaid expansion happens, but maybe not such great news for people who want to understand the budget and all the myriad details that are in it. Talk to us about that. What's the state of the the state budget and do you have any hopes, concerns in that area? Yeah, fortunately, there are so many wonderful advocates in this state who, you know, we divide and conquer this thing because there's no way any human being could digest an 800-page instrument in that short order or read the notes that accompany that are another 800 pages. So we have advocates that divide and conquer, and so we rely on them to help us understand what is in this document. You know, good governing would say that you wouldn't do it at that pace. That's by design, of course, because there are Uh, favorite sons with favorite projects who want us to not be able to ferret those out and shine a bright light on them. Of course, that's what we do anyway. But, uh, you know, they've said that we were going to be out of here by July every year. I've been here and it's never happened. So (laughs) 
I take yeah. it with a grain of salt. Sort of like predictions of snow in North Carolina. You got yeah. three or four of them before it actually occurs. That's right. We're talking with State Representative Deb Butler of New Hanover County about a lot of things in the General Assembly. One uh, very uh, troubling piece of legislation that Governor Cooper vetoed last week is the bill to repeal the state's pistol permitting system. Basically, it's a handgun check law that we have in North Carolina that provides a little extra measure of safety. As I record this today, I've heard about another horrific school shooting in Tennessee. We had a gun fired at a school here in Raleigh today as we record this. Amazingly, though, this bill seems as if it would pour more gasoline on that fire. Doesn't it, though? I tell you, this particular bill is so egregious. It's an omnibus gun bill. So, you know, it's the greatest hits of the super right wing who think we don't need background checks, who think we don't need safe storage, who think we, you know, shouldn't be penalized if we leave guns in, in cars. You know, we know most guns that crimes are committed with are stolen out of vehicles. I mean... So, you know, this is the party of ultra responsibility, yet they don't want to take any on this issue. And this bill is terrible because, uh, among other things, it, of course, repeals the pistol permit purchase element that you referenced earlier, but it also expands where you can carry a gun. So if you have a church that has a school component and it, you know, at least thus far, we're not permitted to take guns to uh, educational campuses. But if a church doubles as an educational facility and a church, we're going to expand and allow that under circumstances. And I just, for the life of me, don't know who thinks that's a good idea. Guns and children. Let's think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just stunning. Of course, Governor Cooper cited the fact that there are plenty of law enforcement officers, indeed a majority of of Second Amendment respecting gun owners who say they want background checks, thorough background checks on purchase. That's sort of the mysterious part of this. It doesn't seem to be, certainly doesn't poll well, but it, well, I guess know, it's, it's a low hanging, group. It's low-hanging fruit. And I don't know why we don't want to reflect the will of, of the people. But then, of course, if that was the case, we wouldn't put all these stumbling blocks in front of women who are seeking abortion care either now, would we? Yeah. So again, it's like these folks sometimes, don't confuse me with the facts. Don't confuse me what the will of the people is. I've already made up my mind. Another fascinating bill that's been, seems to be moving rather quickly this session, it narrowly failed last year, is this bill to bring sort of 24-7 digital sports wagering to North oh Carolina. Oh my God, Rob, let's basically call it. Basically a, let's, a let's call it on everyone's cell phone is basically let's what we're talking Let's call it what about. it is. It's gambling, pure yeah. and simple. You know, you can, you can put a lipstick on that pig and call it wagering and digital competitiveness if you want to. But that pig is gambling. And honestly, we know that suicides are going to increase. We know that the chaos that's going to go on in certain people's families is, is inevitable. It is targeting young people. It is targeting people on college campuses. I think it's disastrous, honestly. And I'm one of the, I think, probably 20 people in the legislature who feels that way. But honestly, I have seen what addiction does to families. I grew up in an addictive household. And why we would knowingly put this forward to our citizens. And you wait, the advertising alone is going to just be soul crushing. It is going to be pervasive and nonstop. Yeah, we ran a story last week from the National State Line Organization, part of the Pew Charitable Trust, that's been looking at other states where it's been introduced in recent years. And particularly young men seem to just have seen just a soaring rates of gambling addiction College campuses, you mentioned, are a place where it's really rife. I suppose there's still a chance maybe that people will see the light, but it seems like it's um, going to be tough to stop. 
it does seem like that that um, train is pulled out of the station. And I, I hope not, because as more and more data and information comes to light, it's very scary business. Oftentimes, people who can least afford it are the ones who get caught up in that. I mean, I, you only have to go to the 7-Eleven and see who's buying $40 worth of scratch-off tickets along with their Mountain Dew. You know, when you're, when you're in a desperate circumstance or you feel economically pressed, you just make bad decisions sometimes. And it just hurts my heart to think that we are going to offer it up in such a... I mean, look, you're going to have people like Peyton Manning and, and, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, this is going to be so glamorized and so irresistible that uh, many people are going to fall prey to it. And we're only putting $2 million in the gambling recovery hotline component of it. That's nothing. And I'm also a little insulted that they're targeting our HBCUs with this bill because they're going to get part of the money that comes from it. And I, you know, for the life of me, I want to say to people, this is the same GOP leadership who has not adequately funded HBCUs for 10 years. And now I feel like they're offering crumbs. And again, you know, certain of my colleagues that I respect very much support this bill, but I just see it very differently. We're coming to the end of our time with State Representative Deb Butler of New Hanover County. But before I let you go, I want to ask you about some legislation you've uh, sponsored this year on an issue that's of great importance to southeastern North Carolina, and that is about plastics yes. and forever chemicals that have um, tragically uh, worked their way into our water supply, Ural's water supply, and um, it's a challenge. And there's clearly is something that needs some advocacy and some regulation, both at the federal and state level. Talk to us about this bill and why you're so concerned. Yeah, this bill would reduce plastic and packaging in, um, you know, we, during COVID, we learned just how much we can and do now purchase online and that gets shipped to us. We don't go to the store and pick anything up anymore. It comes mm -hmm. to us in boxes with all of this material. And we've got to get a hold of that because all of that's going to wind up in the landfill and the ocean and the rivers. And uh, it's, it's a damaging situation. Interestingly enough, after I filed this bill, I got a call from Atlantic Packaging, which is a corporation here down east. And they're, in fact, I think they are the largest private manufacturer of packaging material and they support the bill. I'm thrilled by that. Wow. And I'm hopeful, you know, this bill probably won't go anywhere this session, but if I can get industry behind it, and if I can get Atlantic Packaging, who is a leader in this area, to support this bill, I think we, we might get some traction on it in coming sessions. So it's very exciting. Watching industry become responsible on these issues is sexy stuff to me. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Well, it, it, they have to live in our in our environmentally challenged planet as well. There's really no escaping the challenges that humanity has uh, sort of foisted upon itself with uh, pollution. So thanks for taking the lead there. We really appreciate it. And sure. we'll um, hang in there on Jones Street at the General Assembly. Thanks for all you do. Hopefully uh, we won't have any sneaky votes this session at the General Assembly. You can Yeah, I hope springs me. eternal that we're not going to have that. But we are on veto watch as of any day now. And so, you know, I don't know if you know this, Robert, they did change the rules to make it so that we will have zero notice of veto override votes. So that's exciting. It's going to make for a really fun summer. Don't spend too much time going to the restroom this session, I guess, for members <laughs> so of the minority. For, so much for that New Year's resolution to drink more water. Thank you so much for all you, you do. You are welcome. Check in with you later this spring. Sounds good, Rob. Thank you. Coming up next, an advocate who's worked to pass Medicaid expansion for years shares her excitement and optimism for what comes next. Don't go away.